second coming, just as we've spent the entire summer looking at the future. And here's how he applies all that teaching in Mark 13.33. He says, Be on your guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, he was talking to his disciples, I say to all, including us, stay awake. I think he wants us to remember something. It's the first of the seven secrets of living with vitality in light of eternity. And that is, we need to keep our eyes wide open. This is the first and maybe the hardest secret to put into practice on a regular basis because we're like sheep. In the humdrum of our daily lives, and the hypnotic hum of a harlot culture, we so easily fall asleep and, drift asleep and drift away, living like there's no tomorrow. And so, in every generation, God has had to do it. God has had to wake up His people, di- disrupt their comfortable lives. He uh, emptied them so that they could be filled with the hope of heaven and with Him, rather than being so earthbound and filled with all our things. At one point or another, in every generation, he has put his people on the edge of their seats through what's happening in the world around them. And he's doing it again in our day. He, he knows that we'll not long much for heaven or for him without, without, without some, some hell on earth. And so at one time or another, every generation since the first century has thought theirs might be the last generation looking at the signs of their times. And that's as God wants it. And the signs of His coming that the Bible predicts have never more closely matched what we're seeing today. And I don't know about you, but that kind of uh, wakes me up. It's like Anne Graham Lotz said. She's the daughter of Billy Graham. It's like what she said in the magazine Christianity Today in their September edition, which just came out last week. They did a forum called How I Have Changed Since 9-11, subtitled Christian Leaders Describe How That Fateful Day Transformed Their Lives and Ministries. Just to show that what we talked about uh, last time isn't only for the religious fanatics, here's what Billy Graham's daughter said. September 11th was an alarm that penetrated my daily responsibilities and my busy ministry schedule, warning me. Of what? Well, ten years ago, I could not have answered that question. All I knew with certainty was that God was trying to get the attention of His people, or like Christ said, to wake them up. But the alarm did not fade away. Instead, I have heard it reverberating through the last 10 years. And here's exactly what we talked about last week. How has this continued? He continued to sound the alarm. Well, she goes on from Hurricane Katrina to the record breaking floods to forest fires, tornadoes, droughts, snowstorms to the collapse of our major financial institutions to the Great Recession to the inability to win the war in Afghanistan. The alarm keeps resounding because so many people have not heeded or even heard the warning. Have you? And what is the warning? Simply this, she says. It is five minutes to midnight on the clock of human history. Judgment is at the door. 
Jesus is coming. It's time to wake up and get right with God. And then she concludes with three words in italics, which I ask you and I ask me, are you listening? She just wrote a book called Expecting to See Jesus, a wake-up call for God's people. That's it. That's what we need, a wake-up call. According to Anne Graham Lotz and according to Christ, the first secret of living with vitality in light of eternity, um, uh, the first secret of doing that is just to wake up. And he has his ways of getting our attention. And we dare not put our heads in the sand, which is why I'm wearing this black shirt today. to show you that you can live with vitality even when you're clothed with the night, as more and more we are these days. First, we need to wake up, which he often does for us. Then what do we need to do? Well, moving on, second. Second is this, don't head for the hills. Okay? No, plant your apple tree today. Plant it today. Through it all, through it all, roll up your sleeves. How's that for a sermon prop? But I've got to admit, that's not the only reason I'm doing this. Some people would say there's a lot of hot air up here, and uh, I'm getting hot. Martin, roll up your sleeves and plant your apple tree. Martin Luther said, if I knew Christ was coming today, I would, tomorrow, I would still plant my apple tree today, if that was my calling in life. There's a tendency to head for the hills when we start seeing signs, the likes of which are once again showing up today as they do in every generation. And we must be very, very careful to check that impulse, to head for the hills, to go on hold, to nip it in the bud. It's so easy to be, you know, kind of like a deer in the headlights, so fixated on the signs that that's all you think about. And you become kind of, you know, a single-issue Christian. And you kind of go on hold, or at least back off from doing your work with all your might, as unto Him, as Paul says we ought to. And you're you're really not going for it anymore. And so you've got maybe this sprig of a tree that you planted, your apple seed, but you don't have the orchard that He wanted to see. It's so easy to think, you know, what, what does my work have to do with anything? It's all going to go up in smoke anyway, and, I'm, and it sure looks to me like that's going to happen sooner rather than later. But we have seen that what we do down here and what we become down here will follow us when we go up there. And we'll enjoy it for all eternity. And some people will enjoy more glory than others, both in the form of what they get in heaven and in the form of who they are in heaven. What we do down here determines how brightly we shine up there, how how brightly we shine in heaven, and how richly we'll enjoy it. And some people will be little babies with their rattles, and they'll be full of joy, but not nearly like others. And so when you see the signs, all the more you should go for it before the time for becoming is gone before the chance to become more like Christ is gone and the time for storing up rewards is over. Your job, no matter how menial or unnoticed, is God's call on your life, and it is as important as any other job, even even if you're Johnny Appleseed, right? Because our callings in life, from being a good parent to being a good student to being a good employee, our work on earth is mysteriously linked to His work in heaven. 
You know, long ago, J.R.R. Tolkien, he wrote The Lord of the Rings. Long ago, he wrote a short story, long before that, called Leaf by Niggle. Leaf by Niggle. It's about a man who was an artist, and his vocation was to paint leaves. And God called him to do it out in the middle of nowhere. But he tried to do it with all his heart as best he could, and each leaf, or most of them anyway, were masterpieces. Yet no one saw except God. If, you know, if sometimes it felt like the most unnoticed and uh, unnecessary work you could ever do. But when he got to heaven, one of the most beautiful species of trees there was the one that was full of his leaves. And everyone noticed for all eternity. Now more than ever, don't go on hold. Plant your apple tree today. Paint your orchard or whatever he's called you to do. Do it with all your heart. Because he taught that his coming will be like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work. Blessed, he said, is that servant who his master finds so doing when he comes. And as Paul said, his coming is nearer than when we first believed. And the signs have never been anything like what we're seeing today. So is your lamp burning, or are you sleeping? I pray to God that he finds you working when he returns, however old you are, lest he call you a wicked and lazy slave, as he will call some of his people. You say you've been there, done that, paid your dues, and you're retired now, and your life can go on hold? No. Did you know that at 65, Winston Churchill became prime minister of England? And for the next five years, he led the Western world to freedom. At 82, he wrote the history of the English-speaking peoples. At 69, Ronald Reagan became the oldest man ever sworn in as the president of the United States. And he, and he was re-elected at 73, right? At 70, Benjamin Franklin helped draft the Declaration of Independence. At 89, Albert Schweitzer ran a hospital in Africa. And at the age of 93, get this, P.G. Woodhouse worked on his 97th novel, got knighted, and died. (laughs) Some people die, die long before they ever die. Don't be a wicked, lazy slave. I'll say no more. How do you live with vitality and light of eternity? First, wake up. Second, plant your apple tree today. Third, put your eggs in the right basket The tendency when you really wake up and you see all these things going on in the world around you, there's an impulse sometimes to put more eggs in the wrong basket so you'll be more secure. Yes, we do need to prepare for hard times, and we're supposed to provide for our families as husbands and fathers. Like Solomon said in Proverbs, take a lesson from the ant. They labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter, for the lean times. And it may be that far leaner times are coming and you need to do what God tells you to do. But it's so easy for that to become your ultimate security. So where do you have your eggs? If you're younger, you need to get a grip on this. I just picked on the old folks, so now it's your turn. Where are you planning to store your eggs? I'll tell you where your peers are planning to store their eggs, at least a whole lot of them. A poll conducted by the Pew Research Center asked 18 to 25-year-olds to rate their generation's most important goals in life. 81% said that the top was to get rich. Is that you? 
How do you get your eggs in the right basket? Well, it's gotten to the place in America that God had to start doing it for us. We were a consumer-consuming society, Christians included. And he had to do it for us through a great recession. He's taken some eggs out of our baskets, and there's probably a lot more that are going to have to go, so hang on and just go with the flow. It's good. Let go and let God. Four, make the most of your time. Make the most of your time. Paul says in Ephesians, making the most of your time because the days are evil and his his coming is near. This is huge. You know, so often we're kind of like zombies in front of a TV and the worse things get, the more we escape, right? We probably all have that tendency. uh, or, or, Or into a computer screen or whatever, squandering vast amounts of time on nothing. We're being wasted, as someone said, by watching. Is that you? We're, we're amusing ourselves to death, said Neil Postman. He titled his book that. So where are you spending your time? Fifth, be anchored in your soul. Be anchored in your soul. How do you do that? Well, the main thing is that you just need to trust Him through it all. The Bible says that those who trust in the Lord are as Mount Zion, Psalm 125.1, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. I love that verse. It's like John Cavanaugh. He tells of the time in his life when he went to Calcutta to work, uh, to work in the house of the dying with Mother Teresa. He was seeking direction for the future. And when he got there, she asked, what can I do for you? And he asked her to pray for him. And she said, well, what do you want me to pray for? And she asked, um, and and, uh, he explained that he had come thousands of miles from the U.S. U.S. to find direction. So he said, pray that I have clarity. To which she said firmly, no, I will not do that. When he asked why, she said, clarity is the last thing you are clinging to, and you must let go of it. He commented that she always seemed to have the clarity he longed for. She laughed, and she said, I've never had clarity. What I have always had is trust. So I will pray that you will trust God. Oh, trust in Him at all times, O oh peoples. Psalm 62, 8, God is a refuge for us. Trust that He works everything for good, just like it says in Romans eight twenty eight. And the worse things get out there, the better they'll become up there. Max Lucado put it this way in an article he called, Make Friends with Whatever's Next. That's our posture, make friends with whatever's next. Listen, embrace it, accept it, don't resist it. Change is not only a part of life, change is a necessary part of God's strategy. But someone might ask, what about the tragic changes that God permits? Some seasons make no sense. Do such moments serve any purpose? Well, they do, if you see them from an eternal perspective, which is what we've been talking about for eight weeks. What makes no sense in this life will make perfect sense in the next. And I have proof, you in the womb. I know you don't remember this prenatal season, so let me remind you of what happened during it. Every gestation day equipped you for your earthly life, right? Your bones solidified, your eyes developed, the umbilical cord transported the nutrients. Uh, For what reason? Well, so that you might remain in wombed. Quite the contrary. Womb time equipped you for earth time. Suited you up for your postpartum existence. And then he nails it. Some prenatal features went unused before birth. You grew a nose but didn't breathe. Eyes developed but could you see? 
Your tongue and toenails serve no function in your mother's belly. But aren't you glad you have them now? Hmm? Certain chapters in this life, he concludes, seem so unnecessary, like nostrils on the pre-born. Ever felt that way? Suffering, loneliness, disease, holocaust, martyrdom, monsoons. If we assume this world exists just for pre-grave happiness, those atrocities disqualify it from doing so. But what if this earth is the womb? Might these challenges, severe as they may be, serve to prepare us, to equip us for the world to come? As Paul wrote, he concludes, these little troubles are getting us ready for an eternal glory that will make all our troubles seem like nothing. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. How do you live with vitality in light of the tr- in eternity? Trust in the Lord. O oh, peoples, He knows what He's doing. Be anchored in your soul. You know, for the last eight weeks, we've been looking at the soul anchors for troubled waters that come from our hope in heaven. And what they give us is not, you know, some cheery Christian slogan, but a deep and lasting song. One that says, when I die, don't cry for me. In my Savior's arms I'll be. Remember that song at the beginning of this series? The wounds this world left on my soul will all be healed, and I'll be whole. And then it goes on to say, gold and silver blind the eye. Temporary riches lie. Where are your eggs? Come and eat from heaven's store. Come and drink and thirst no more. Let's anchor our souls right now. This is All My Tears by Selah and Kim Hill.
can look at everything down here and you can say it don't matter in light of eternity. How do you live with vitality in light of eternity? Be anchored in your soul. That's fifth. The sixth is this. Look up and hold your head high. Look up. Hold your head high. That's what Christ said. When you see these things begin to happen, all of these signs, look up. Hold your head high, for you will soon be free. Look up. Look to Him each and every day. Like Annika Crow does. She's our children's director. In our staff meeting just this last Wednesday, or I guess a couple Wednesdays ago, I asked her how she could have such centeredness and peace in the midst of everything that's on her shoulders. Those of you who know Annika know this. She said her mother had something taped on her bedroom door, and she saw it all through her growing up years. It goes like this. How each day will look to you all starts with who you're looking to. Don't you love that? How each day will look to you all starts with who you're looking to. No wonder she seems so peaceful. Look up. Hold your head high. Like Frodo and Sam did in The Lord of the Rings, which J.R.R. Tolkien wrote years after he wrote Leaf by Niggle. They often hung their heads if you've seen the trilogy, just like we do. By rights, we shouldn't even be here, said Sam to Frodo at one of the lowest points in the story. But we are. Ever felt that way? It's like the great stories, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't even want to know the end because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it was only a passing thing. And when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those are the stories that stay with you. That meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I do understand, Sam said. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. Just like many of you, way to go. They kept going because they were holding on to something. They were holding on to their hope that the darkness will pass, that a new day will come. Every sun setting is a sunrise in another land. We've seen that we're in the epic of the universe down here, just like in The Lord of the Rings. The whole trilogy is a parable of the Christian life. And at the end of the movie, The Return of the King, they sailed off into the West, just like we're going to do. And in the credits, Anne Lennox sings a song called Into the West. And so I thought that I'd give you a double injection of hope this morning from Kim Hill and then Anne Lennox to help anchor your soul, to lift your head high. You know, one of the things I've tried to show in this series is the power of music to stir our hope. You might say hope is hearing the melody of the future and faith is dancing to it. Heaven will be full of melodies. And so not surprisingly, that's how we fill our hearts with the hope of heaven to carry us through perhaps the dark days to come. And so... In this last message of this series, I wanted to play three of my favorites that we've heard over the last eight weeks. There's some favorites for you, too. You've heard the first. The second one 
in that one. It's like she's singing, and many of you weren't there, so let me tell you about it. It's like she's singing over Frodo and Gandalf as they sailed off into the West, and somehow we feel she's singing over all of us too, not just at the end of our lives, but over all our trials and tribulations. This promise of what's to come, lay down your sweet and weary head. Night is falling. You've come to journey's end. Sleep now and dream of the ones that came before. They are calling from across the distant shore. This is Christ singing to those who are His to stir our hearts, to lift our heads. This is what He'll say when we pass away. This is what He's saying right now. Brave hobbits. Whatever you're going to, why do you weep? What are those tears upon your face? Soon you will see. All of your fears will pass away. Safe in my arms, you're only sleeping. What can you see on the horizon? Why do the white gulls call? Across the sea, the pale moon rises. The ships have come to carry you home. Hope fades into the world of night. Through shadows falling out of memory and time. Don't say we've come now to the end. White shores are calling. You and I will meet again. Just imagine. He's looking down on you right now in compassion. You know him as your Savior. And he's singing over you too, just like he will when he takes you home to be with him. Let's make live contact with him right now. Let's practice, okay? In his arms, lay down your weary head. And in his love, you'll go out from here holding your head high.
Everything will be okay in the end. And so if it's not okay, it's not the end. How do you live with vitality in light of eternity? Be anchored in your soul. Lift your head high, six. And then last but not least, number seven. Be among the great hearts that patrol the roads. Be among the great hearts that patrol the roads. In a lot of ways, that's the whole point of the other six, that we patrol the roads in these dark days of human history and through perhaps the darker days to come as those who are centered, not scattered, as those who are rooted, uh, not restless, as those who are reflective and not reactive with a peace that's like a song into the West. We've got all types in this audience and in this country, not to mention uh, in this county especially, maybe, and all over the world. People are so fascinating, aren't they? Julie and I like to go to malls and just watch them go by and talk about what we see in their faces. The human procession, you might say, is endlessly fascinating. It's like the great preacher Joseph Newton said. He said, The human procession is thronged with figures that are quaint, fantastic, heroic, ignoble, joyous, sorrowful, ridiculous, pathetic, like Gollum maybe. 
some marching, some straggling, all wending their way through time. There are sulkers who shirk danger and wander to no purpose. And, he concludes, there are great hearts who patrol the road. The last thing is that we who hope in him can be such great hearts in this epic of the universe. Don't you long to do that? I sure do. And that's going to be our theme in this new ministry year here at Dillon Community Church, if you'll permit me to get a little bit local. Starting this coming Sunday, going passionately, that's our theme. Like our vision says, going passionately out of our growing intimacy with Christ, a caring community for the county and the world, sharing Christ in word and deed. We'll be having a missions festival on the 18th of September, three overseas missions trips in this coming year, starting in October 9th, uh, and our members don't know this yet, but we'll be dividing into small groups for 40 days, six weeks, where together in small groups we'll learn to be more of a community, and together we'll learn to reach out into our community here in Summit County. There will be a Sunday school class starting this next Sunday, our first Sunday back in the building, a class that will transform your understanding of world missions. Fred Sharp is going to be teaching it. It will go for five weeks at the 8.30 hour, again, starting this next Sunday, so you'll not want to miss it. Unfortunately, Julie and I are going to be be away. Uh, I have a little bit higher priority. I'm going to be marrying my oldest son, so I hope I'll be excused by everyone. So Eric Robertson will be doing the kickoff message for this year of going passionately. We're going to see this year just how true it is that now more than ever, all the world is our stage. And they're watching. And it can be your stage too, wherever you come from. This this is a word for you that God wants you to take home if you're visiting. Stand tall. Hold your head high. Be anchored in your soul through life's stormy seas. And in this twilight of the West, go into all the world. And if you do one to six, all the world will come to you. Which is the point. To hear the answer for the hope that you have in you. All the world is a story. It's his story. And we're the hobbits. All the world is a stage. And we each have a starring role to play. All the world is a canvas, and we're characters in his masterpiece. All the world is a page. Let's all stand together. Come on, stand tall. Shoulders back. Really. Stomach in. Got it? Okay. Hold your head high. And then listen to our theme song for this year of Going Passionately, All the World by Point of Grace.
Well, speaking of uh, storing up music for hard times, Sarah McIntosh, she's selling her uh, CDs there. I've listened to them, and I'm telling you, this girl, this woman, will grow on you. With that, with him, you can go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. And share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen and amen. Join us at the pavilion. We've got a great meal and even greater fellowship. Thanks for coming.